This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited because I get to share my conversation with our amazing guest, Dr. Morgan Anderson, who is a relationship coach, attachment theory expert, psychologist, and we had such an amazing conversation because obviously relationships, huge deal, a huge part of our life. We have had good ones, bad ones. We're still learning from our past relationships, and we really, really got into it in this conversation, and I am just super, super excited for you to hear it. And without further ado, let's get it started. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. I am so excited for today's episode. We have a very special guest, Dr. Morgan Anderson. Dr. Morgan is a relationship coach, attachment theory expert, and creator of the ESL Relationship Method. Her mission is to help women get off the dating roller coaster, raise their self their self worth, and attract the healthy relationship they've always wanted. She created the Empowered, Secured, Loved program because she knew women needed a clear path to secure attachment and love that lasts. With the science of attachment theory, data from hundreds of clients, and her own experiences, she created a program that transforms you from lonely to loved. She has a podcast also called Let's Get Vulnerable. I love that title. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Morgan. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait for our conversation. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, on this podcast, we get a ton of questions about relationships, obviously, um, romantic relationships, platonic relationships, you know, just people looking for that higher self perspective. And what I try to talk about a lot is kind of bringing into awareness of the conditioning, both societal conditioning and the stuff, you know, that we learned in our childhood and our trauma and all that kind of thing and how that sort of becoming more aware of that helps us sort of unleash that from our being so overwhelming and kind of get to a place where, okay, it's there, you know, that's what you have to work with, but you can grow and, and learn new ways to be in relationship to, or to just be in the world and really connecting to that part of you. That is your true self, your higher self beyond that. Right. I love that. Yeah. And so when it comes to relationships, um, and doing this type of work that you do, I know that there's probably a story about why you dedicated your life to helping other people in the relationships and what experiences brought you to this path. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your background? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just say that I love what you do and how you just described it. And that 
I do believe that it's always about releasing the barriers to love because you've always mm-hmm. been enough. You are enough. It's just mm-hmm. releasing those things that don't serve you. So hundred yes. percent in line with what you just said. Um, so I had childhood trauma, you know, we all have trauma in different ways. Mine was the loss of my mom at a very young age. I was six years old. Um, And I had to grow up really fast. I was very mature. Um, And I, I think just from a young age, I just knew, wow, you know, life can be hard and we have to be able to get through it and cope through it. And I wanted to help people. I was always like on the playground talking to one other person and having deep conversations, (laughs) even as like a seven year old. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, so I always knew I wanted to be a psychologist, even from first grade, which is wild. Right. But then specializing in relationships that came to me as I survived my own experience in a relationship with a narcissist. Mm. And I was my second year in my doctoral program, receiving this PhD in clinical psychology. And you would think like, oh, you know, it couldn't happen to her. But as we know, it can happen to anybody, right? But I was in this relationship with a narcissist for a year and a half. And it completely destroyed my self-worth. And Mm -hmm. I went through kind of like a near-death experience, really, where um, I was forced to decide I have to heal. I have to do this work. Mm -hmm. I can't keep living this way. And that's what made me decide to become an expert in attachment theory and emotionally focused therapy and specialize in couples because I just knew, okay, there has to be a way to have a healthy relationship. I see all these other people doing it. There has to be a way. And I I decided that it would happen for me too, no matter how long it took. Mm -hmm. And then I devoted my career to understanding how to have a great, healthy relationship. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah, you you did a great job. And I totally (laughs) relate to that story. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening do that kind of those relationships that really just got you, you know, that were really hard, um, maybe abusive or experienced like trauma in them. And the, the thing about what I've always kind of thought about relationships that kind of sucks about them is that so much of it is trial and error because you really <laughs> don't know what you need or what a healthy one is until you've kind of experienced a toxic one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you know, I talk with my clients about repetition compulsion, Mm. where we really are repeating those Mm -hmm. patterns from childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's that unconscious wish that we have that this time, right, Right. we'd have a different result. Uh, again, right. I <laughs> so I was doing that. I, I mean, I had so many terrible, toxic relationships. I'm, I'm working on a book right now. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I, there's just like so many examples that I have. And I was repeating patterns over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about dating the same person, but it's like, they just have a different haircut, but you're just dating the same person over and over. That yeah. that was me, the emotionally mm-hmm. unavailable man over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we know 
it's exhausting and mm-hmm. it, it has to stop. So, yeah, it's funny too, because when you said that about, um, thinking to yourself, oh, this time it's going to be different or because I think for me personally, there's kind of levels to where like maybe in a, with a toxic partner, it gets like really extreme when you're playing out those like unconscious child triggers and like really you're talking to like your mom through that person or whatever um but even when you realize that that's happening or that's possible or that's what happened in that past relationship I still feel like it's still it can still really happen in healthy relationships it's still like kind of part of the the stuff that you're working with you know absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, I think knowing our attachment style and um, even people who move towards secure attachment and they're, they're doing a lot of healing, they're still actually going to be attracted to people who maybe also have done a lot of healing, but Mm -hmm. they might have some tendencies of avoidant attachment. Like it's all on a, it's all on a spectrum And Mm -hmm. I do find that no matter how healed we are, we will still create in relationships those growth opportunities and those moments where those unhealed dynamics pop up and you're like, oh my God, I thought I had already worked through that. I can't believe this is happening. So even when you're, when you're healed, exactly right, Bunny, like you're, you're going to create those dynamics too. Yeah. Um, you say you talked about secure attachment and I was listening to you use that phrase in your podcast. Um, can you talk a little bit what about how you define secure attachment? I love this. It's funny. I was just coaching a client yesterday, and one of the things that came to me was a relationship without pedestals. Mm, I love that. Because <laughs> think about in anxious attachment, we're placing the person uh-huh. above us. Yes. In avoidant attachment for distancing, we're placing them below us, right? Yes. And we're on the pedestal. Yeah. In secure attachment, there's no, there's no pedestal. You have two worthy individuals who are coming together in true partnership. Um, and I believe secure attachment is a secure base where you say, by us being together, we can actually become more of who we really are. And we're, mm-hmm. we're not held back. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the secure base from which to grow and heal and do that work together and also do it as individuals. Mm-hmm. And we set boundaries and we share how we feel and we connect and we have our time apart and we grow mm-hmm. as, as individuals. So that's just some of it. I could talk about it forever, but yeah. Oh, Those are I, some of the things that's like so aligned with what a lot of we talk about here, because the way that I kind of show a different lens between how we've been conditioned to see things versus our higher self is one is the, a lens of a higher, a hierarchical lens. So every, we have all of these different ways that we put a hierarchy in human worth based on whatever it is that we grew up with or whatever it is that, you know, we feel like is valuable or not valuable in a person. Mm-hmm. And we do that to the people that we supposedly love a lot too. And it's just kind of like this battle of like trying to stay above water or like trying to, um, like you were saying, see it from that, that vantage point. Um, so yeah, I totally love 
that definition of secure attachment. And I also kind of think, you know, there's a lot of in the sort of self-help wellness sphere, there's all this kind of, uh, it's bad to be codependent type of rhetoric and stuff like that. And sometimes I think that that can be a little bit ableist in a way, because there are times when you need to be dependent on somebody. Um, and of co- course, interdependent is a way better way of thinking about it. And how I also like to think about it is like, say, you know, you were codependent for somebody, like say you were married and you got seriously ill um, and you depended on your partner for cleaning you up after you, feeding you or something like something, you know, very extreme in that case. And I like to think about how much that partner receives in those situations too. And I, and kind of changing our vision as to like what we're giving and receiving um, and how it's never, and how like depending on each other is never really one-sided in a sense, kind of. I love that. Absolutely. I talk about interdependence all the time and we, we need it. We need to be able to depend on each other. We're, we're wired for that as humans, you know, and um, one way I like to think about this is that in securely attached relationships, reassurance is available. Oh my gosh. Right. And yeah, knowing that, hey, I can ask my partner for reassurance and I can give them reassurance. And actually, when we provide that, that like upfront and as a relationship is in the early stages, it becomes this really great foundation. And hey, we know, okay, my partner's going to be there. And we tend to need less and less reassurance as time goes on. But what I see is, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm sure you see this too, a lot of times in the early stages, people really struggle to navigate. How do I ask for it? How do I create that secure base without coming across as codependent, right? Or or Mm -hmm. like thinking I'm too much or too Mm -hmm. needy when in the reality, you have to go through that period of creating that secure base. That's a normal part of any, 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 any relationship in the early stages, you have to go through that. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I feel so blessed because my spouse, when we started dating in 2016, um, in the very early stages of our relationship, they were like, I'll always reassure you. And they said it very casually. Like I, we were in the kitchen of my apartment or something like cooking dinner and I said something like, I don't know, insecure or asked some question or something. And, and then I like, was like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. And then they were like, no, I'll always reassure you. And I remember hearing those words and just being like, oh my God, <laughs> like that was the best thing you could have ever said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the best thing I could have ever heard in that moment. And it meant so oh, much yeah. to me. I love that. Absolutely. Especially those of us who are healing, you know, relationship templates that might have had trauma or been Mm -hmm. toxic in the past when we have that securely attached person who says, hey, I want to make sure that you feel safe in this relationship and that you feel heard. I call that, well, and it's also used in clinical terms, but the term I love is a corrective emotional experience where Mm. you're having an experience with a partner that helps you heal your relationship template. 
So that, yes. I mean, that's a beautiful story. And um, obviously your relationship has worked out well for you. And, and um, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, we still have our ups and downs, but yeah, that definitely, that definitely got us into a, a good, good start and meant so much to me. And um, um, what was I going to say? So my, my partner and I actually, we, I just did an astrological reading um, the other day and I shared it on the podcast. It was with this other, this astrologer who has a, who has another podcast called Ghost of a Podcast. And the reading actually ended up being all about our relationship. And I had no idea it was going to go to that place. Like, no, I wasn't prepared. And all of this stuff got unearthed within me about how it's so hard for me to like talk about my needs and then you hold them in and then it becomes like a big problem. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. so I know so much of issues that happen in relationship is really just communication, understanding how to communicate to each other based on the type of communication that makes each other feel safe, which is based on them having both people having some kind of self-awareness of like what they've been through and where they are in their healing. And there's so many layers there. Um, What do you, if you could give some advice for people who might be struggling communicating uh with their partner or even not even necessarily romantic but also like friend platonic too because those are just as important um how do how do you like to talk about healthy communication oh this is a topic I mean we could be here for three yeah, hours yeah yeah I know I know it's kind of like <laughs> no I love this question though thank you I'll do I'll do my best to do it um some good here uh so Here's what I know is that we can teach people all the best strategies, all the best communication frameworks and teach them the exact sentence structures. And if we haven't done the internal work and we haven't let go of beliefs about ourselves or beliefs about relationships that are not serving us, Mm -hmm. we won't be able to communicate because it's, it's so much deeper. And, and I feel that once people really do some of the internal work and they can move to secure attachment, communication becomes easy. It becomes Mm -hmm. natural. Mm -hmm. So I, I usually feel as though communication really is a symptom of something much deeper that we need to work on. That being said, that being said, I do feel that practicing the frameworks that are healthy and ways of communicating um, where we can be heard, that also does help with the internal work. So it's both, right? Mm -hmm. Like intentionally practice the communication structures and expressing how you feel while also committing to do the internal work that releases the belief systems that maintain the way that you're communicating. Like both are very, very important to me. Yeah, it's so like simultaneous. It is. Our like awakening process. Yeah. It's like we're dealing with the in and the out, the past and the now. Yeah, the way, you know, there's the surface level, how it manifests, which is the way we communicate. And then there's all this internal, um, the frameworks that we have for relationships and our our own self-worth. And so both need to be addressed. I will say I love couples work. And one of the things I teach is dialogue 
which is just a framework where you have two people and one is a sender, one is a receiver. Mm -hmm. The I'm sure you know this. You're like, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just like imagining like, you know, only, yeah. only receiving and not <laughs> or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And you know, all the, all the work I've done with couples, I love it. I, I get to feel like I'm like a ref at like a game. Right. And I'm like, okay, we have the sender and we have the receiver and the sender's job is to just use I statements and to just mm -hmm. express their experience and then as you can imagine, the receiver's job is to simply validate what they heard. Yes. So I heard you say blank, right? I heard that you felt blank. Mm -hmm. And most people in relationship dynamics, they want to skip this part. They yeah. want to get to the problem solving. Mm -hmm. but, but when we do that, emotions never get addressed. The core things don't get addressed. And then of yeah. course, we hold things in because... Because that problem solving conversation isn't going to actually do anything for me. So I'm going to just avoid it. And then my resentment is just going to build and build and build. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's always about something deeper. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Which is like always about, and its essence, feeling seen and feeling loved and feeling worthy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the three sentence structures, if you're not used to expressing your needs, um, I would tell your audiences to think about, I feel the story I'm telling myself is, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I need to be supported is, and I know that sounds so simple, but those are life-changing sentence structures for people to start using. Can you repeat those one more time? Yeah. Three things. Yes. So I feel, and then mm -hmm. people, it's so funny. Like when, when I coach couples on this, they'll be like, I felt that you did blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, <laughs> I, it's I feel, and then it's your emotion. You have to right. actually say an emotion word. <laughs> So that's I so feel, funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so true. And then the next one is the story I'm telling myself is because mm -hmm. that's so helpful because we do that so often. We just, you know, we catastrophize, we come up with a narrative. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to share that. Um, and then the last one's more for at the end of the conversation, when you're headed towards problem solving, you would say what I need to feel supported is. Yeah. So. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, Hello Higher Self, an outsider's guide to loving yourself in a tough world is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma, and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it.
Okay, question. And this might be just for selfish reasons. Say you're like in, you know, you're you're solving a conflict with your partner and both of you contributed to the conflict, obviously, because that's what always happens. And both of you have needs. Both of you want to reach that last stage, the last thing. How do you know who's who gets to go? <laughs> first or like if one person goes that means the other person has to go because this is what I think sometimes will happen in me and my spouse's relationship is that it'll be either or and then the next time something similar happens it's like they didn't get their thing seen so then it just drags on to the next the next experience um so yeah. Great question. <laughs> I love that you asked that. Yeah. What I find is so helpful is that when you're doing this dialogue, you'd want to be sitting down, you're facing each other. Even if you can hold hands, sometimes we're too upset to do that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. being incredibly present with one another. And then you're always going to take turns. Okay. You're always, every time. Okay. Is so, going to be. Okay. So there's the sender, the receiver. And then you would say, if you were the receiver and you were about to wrap up, you would say, is there more? And then the mm. sender would say, no. Mm. And then you would switch. Always recommend that. This is so helpful because I know that I'm guilty of once I feel finally feel heard. Okay, that's the end. We solved it. Ooh. You know, like when, and, and, and I'm not saying it's my fault. That's just like what ends up happening because I don't know what they need. Um, and we don't have, we, we need more practice in doing that, um, taking turns thing. So that is so helpful to hear actually. Yeah. And this is, I mean, you're certainly not alone. I think, um, there's always going to be a partner who it's more comfortable for typically. Right. right. And the one who's like, <laughs> Oh, good. I didn't have to go. Right. Like, <laughs> Like no, no matter what, and yeah. the gender doesn't matter. It's like, it's all, there's always someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so important to just, that's why I love having the framework because it's, this is what it is. And we're going to practice this together and having that structure allows for both people to be heard. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about just because I know we, our audience has, t- t- is, you know, the whole spectrum of gender. We've got tons of trans folks, tons of non-binary folks. I'm non-binary. And in your bio, you said that you, you know, focus on, on women and that's totally fine. And and I like to say like socialized as women too, because I think there is like such a big distinction, but Mm -hmm. as, as you grow as like a person who's helping people in, in relationships, dynamics and couples, therapy and all that kind of thing. How do you see, I mean, and maybe this is kind of too big of a question, but how do you see like the trajectory of like psychology and stuff working with um, fluidity of gender and like how in all of that kind of thing? I just wanted to address it because I know that it's important. Yeah. I love that you asked that. I really do. And I, I will say that, um, at some point, I hope to open up what I do because it is applicable, as we know. I mean, yeah. relationship dynamics, they go across our I- identities. Like, mm-hmm. it, so absolutely. Um, 
what what I love is that there is more and more being written that speaks to, I guess, non-traditional or non um like a heteronormative relationship. Mm-hmm. Like there's more and more. There's actually a great book that came out that's called Poly Secure, which is speaking to the, have you read uh-huh. it? Yeah. Um, no, but that was, it's just funny that you bring that up because that was going to be my next question. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Cause yeah, there's all these different communities and there's mm-hmm. different ways of being in relationships. And we do need to be able to say, well, Hey, attachment theory has been traditionally written about, you know, um, a male female dynamic, but of course it applies to all the romantic relationships out there of any mm-hmm. kind. And of course it applies to the poly community and mm-hmm. um, that book poly secure is a great, great mm-hmm. resource. So mm-hmm. I hope to see more and more resources like that, more and more yeah. people who are creating content that speaks to those different folks, because yeah. it's obviously it applies, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, even if you don't identify as um, gender fluid or, or non-binary or trans, those, those, the implications of gender conditioning apply in all relationships, right? The, the thing, the baggage that we're holding on to the ways in which our partner might not understand um, mm-hmm. the pressure that we're under, or, you know, like our trauma around it and all of those types of things. So like the, the issue of our gender conditioning and how we perform gender is part of our daily lives and part of all of our relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And attachment wounds span across any kind of gender identity, right? Like, um, and I do, I do want to say, I know that a lot of times folks who identify as women are sort of portrayed as the anxious attachment style and that, Mm -hmm. you know, that male identified folks, they're supposed to be the avoidantly attached Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's just not true. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just stop with that, right? Like attachment wounds, they just span across all the different gender identities. Yeah. And speaking of attachment, I have this like thing that I say about um, like polyamory versus monogamy, because I think that polyamory can get like obviously a bad rep just because of our heteronormative monogamous um, conditioning and stuff like that. But I think it's kind of, I always like to talk about how sometimes people feel if they're in polyamorous relationships, there isn't that attachment, but I'm always like, well, yes. And you could just be attached to many people at the same time. You know, it doesn't take away from needing a partner to fulfill like an unconscious lack. It can happen, you know, there's no certain type of relationship that's going to be necessarily healthier than another relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, you know, I have coached um, folks who are in poly um, and, and I would say that what ends up happening is you have different dynamics typically in different relationships. And it's almost like, different parts of yourself can end up showing up in, mm. in different partnerships right, right? and knowing that there is such a richness there when you're willing to examine it from an attachment lens. And of course it applies. Absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of folks find it incredibly helpful when they do look at it through that lens. 
Yeah, I would be, I know that like my listeners would hate it if I didn't ask you about jealousy because jealousy obviously is a lot of our things we're dealing with in our relationships um, and knowing how to find the balance between your boundaries versus, you know, you just being controlling versus, you know, like how to not have those, those jealous feelings and how do you deal with that? Especially if you've been um, betrayed in the past or cheated on the past, I got cheated on my, by my first girlfriend in high school for like over a year. And she was lying to me for over a year and had cheated on me with like three different people and that that experience, probably because it was my first queer relationship, my first love, and then all of the lying over such a long period of time and me having no idea, it fucked me up for like so long. Like, you know, and I would get really jealous in all of my other relationships and I would be jealous of I would be suspicious and jealous of their ex. And then it would kind of like come out in these really in fights and, and stuff like that. And I hated that part of, of me so much. And I finally have healed that wound, but it took so long mm-hmm. to heal that wound. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what I'm asking. I'm just saying like, do you have any <laughs> insight about well, I, I love, yes, absolutely. I can definitely talk about it and I appreciate you sharing. And um, I think it's funny. I actually was just thinking about jealousy last night because I binge watched The Ultimatum. Have you watched that on Netflix? No, I haven't. I, I get so triggered by those types of shows, but I, I know felt, a lot of people watch it. I felt triggered. I I felt triggered because what they do is they essentially throw these people into a triangulation dynamic where there are three people sort of unintentionally and you're made to choose between who you want and it creates of course so much jealousy on that show so the last night as I was binging that I was thinking all about jealousy so the universe knew you were going to ask me this question um I really feel that there's a couple pieces with jealousy. There's obviously our past experiences, just as you described in your first love and having gone through that and then having those wounds become part of your template for a relationship. And Mm. they, they shaped some of your beliefs about relationships. Like you might've developed some unhealthy beliefs that people are going to cheat on me and I have to be on alert and on edge. And, you know, who, who knows there, there's probably a ton of beliefs that mm-hmm. ultimately you let go of. So mm-hmm. with jealousy, we have to say, well, what are the beliefs that were formed from my past experiences and how, how are those beliefs impacting my behavior and impacting who I'm attracted to? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because with repetition compulsion, we will be attracted to a similar dynamic with that hope of having a different outcome. So anyways, I think it's so important to be aware of your beliefs. And then the other piece is be with someone where you can create secure attachment. When you 
when you can be that person for yourself mm-hmm. where you can ask for what you need and you can ask for the reassurance you need and it's given to you, you will slowly heal that jealousy wound and it will completely go away because it, it no longer serves you. It's not needed. Yeah. Your brain just created jealousy as a way to cope, right? To say like, ooh, you need to feel this way in order to maintain this relationship. But mm-hmm. in a healthy, securely attached dynamic where you're healed and there's trust, that jealousy doesn't serve you anymore. You don't need it. You can completely let go of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what eventually happened. It just kind of slowly diminished over time. Um, once I had that trust kind of established and I had a, a lot of shame around it. And I think what also helped diminish those jealous thoughts was realizing, was really understanding that it wasn't anything to be ashamed of, to have those feelings and that I had, it was my way of protecting myself mm-hmm. um, for a long time. And, and we developed these survival mechanisms for a reason a- until we grow to realize that we don't need them anymore. Um, and yeah, so. Yes, an attachment strategy that's no longer helpful to you. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that we can do so much healing and Even myself as someone who, you know, I had more of a disorganized attachment, fearful, avoidant attachment style in the past and doing all my own healing and I'm in a wonderful, great relationship. But even as that relationship deepened and I got closer and closer to my partner, sometimes those old wounds will come up because the more, the closer we can get to someone that's when sometimes our fears of intimacy come up. So Mm -hmm. I'm in this great, healthy relationship and we're, you know, two years in and then all of a sudden I feel so close and maybe I have that jealousy pop up. And the gift of self-awareness and kind of teaching what, what you and I teach is that instead of spiraling in that, you can say, oh, wow, that's really interesting that Mm -hmm. I had that pop up. How can I work through it with mindfulness and intention, right? Yes. Yes. And that's what I went through. That, then, the, then it got to that next phase where I would just notice and be like, don't react. <laughs> like, don't say anything. Like, don't even say anything. Because once yeah. you put it out there, it's just, it becomes a thing. And yeah. it's also hurtful. You know, it's also hurtful to the people who deserve your trust, you know, in a way it can, it can be hurtful to them. Mm-hmm. And I always say you can offer, you can self-soothe, you can offer Mm -hmm. yourself reassurance and, you know, be that ideal parent that you need and speak to yourself with self-compassion. And if you do that and you journal and there's still something there that you say your partner, by all means, but but most of the time, once we go through that, we don't need to bring it to Right, right. Like process it with your higher self for a while. And if your higher self is saying, hey, it's okay, ask the question, you know, like if if that's what you need to do, do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. But take some time first because then you'll know if you really want to ask if you just give yourself a little. Yes. I saw some of your reels where you talk about that. You're like me consulting with my higher (laughs) self. And I, I love that. It's so true. That pause is so powerful. So powerful. I even knew, know, like even in a 
if you're getting if you get in a fight with your partner and just for me I'll if we fight I'm the one that normally like runs into the bedroom and slams the door and stuff like that and I do it because it actually really helps it's like I'm doing it when I'm mad but I'll be in there for like 10 minutes and then be like I love them. You know, and it, it kind of just like lets me realize, okay, the compassion comes back in, love comes back into my consciousness, you know, once I just give it a little bit of time to just fizzle out. Yeah. I'm usually hungry. I have to go eat a snack and then I'm I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang hangry is like definitely a thing. Um, cool. So I know that I talked to you earlier about answering a um, listener question. Are you still down to do yes, that? Yes, I would love to. Okay, awesome. Just so you know, um, audience, I don't know what this question is either. So both me and Dr. Morgan are going in blind to this listener question. Okay, I've got it right here. Okay. Let's see. My question, hey, Bunny, my question to you is, No matter how much healing we do, we are human and we're bound to never be fully healed. For me to think I am not healed, that's why I'm not attracting a loyal, genuine partner, feels like I'm looking, waiting for my lifetime. I know by looking or waiting, I send vibrations of need, but it's not coming from that. It's more wanting to find that genuine connection. We work on building each other. I find myself not being able to find that. And that makes me feel sad at times. At times, I feel I deserve it. I deserve more and I deserve that love. Help me understand better. I'm tired of finding myself in situations. I love myself and I filter out people who no longer help me progress or who gossip or are deceiving. Yet it hurts me not having what I deserve. Mm, I I can relate to that feeling for sure. Yeah, this person clearly is very self-aware. And I, yeah. I love I love this question. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so I want to say this, that I don't think it's fair for us to say that I can only have a great relationship once I'm fully healed. Mm-hmm. There's never, as you and I know, there's never a moment where you're fully healed. It's, Mm -hmm. it is an ongoing commitment. It is a lifelong commitment. And I think we do do ourselves a disservice if we say, well, I'm only going to be in a relationship once I'm fully healed. You know, I obviously there are times where it's necessary to recreate a foundation of self-love and and worthiness. And we want to date from a place where we do see our worth, Mm -hmm. but there's so much healing that happens within relationships. Yes. And we don't yes. want to deny ourselves the opportunity to yes. do that healing within relationships. So mm-hmm. being able to say, hey, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. I'm going to show up and take messy relationship action and be imperfectly human and own my stuff and show up as securely attached as I possibly can. Um I think that it's really important to to have that mindset. And then I guess the other part, this is like a long question, but the, yeah. <laughs> the other piece, which maybe you can speak to more even, is just um, 
that desire and desire is healthy. Desire gives us an idea about what really matters and what, what we really truly want. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so helpful is trying our very, very best to release the how and to as much as we can release the timeline Mm -hmm. and know that of course this desire is on my heart for a reason and it's an abundant universe and of course it's available to me but my brain just can't quite comprehend how and when it's going to happen yes and there's a lot of divine timing at play and having faith in where you're being guided to and I can tell that the that this person, you, I'm talking to the person who asked, sent in the question that you have been on this healing path and that's absolutely wonderful. And I also want to remind you that sometimes when we prioritize our healing a lot and we are putting in the work a lot, we think that the partner that we're going to find is going to be a lot like us or, or be, or we could recognize like how they're healing. But I want to, I just want to say that from my experience, we put a lot of assumptions around what a awakened person is supposed to act like, or, or look like, or a spiritual person is supposed to look like, or or what we can learn from another person. And like, like you were saying, like we heal so much in relationships because there's so much we don't know about ourselves still. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't realize what you can learn from somebody else. And so I guess what I'm just saying is to make sure to keep your heart open and not have tunnel vision as to like, who's going to be perfect for you. And you're just all, and when you see them, you meet them, you're just going to know, and it's just going to happen. And you finally found the person and now everything's complete. That's just not how it's going to work. It's going to be like, there's a feeling. And then you're going to start a journey that is like a rocky road (laughs) where you're like learning, you're realizing things here. And then there's a problem here. And then you, then that opens up to some other awareness here. And it's never like this easy linear thing going upwards. You know, it's, it really is just like kind of a messy, like we need to wear our hiking boots and be, and get dirty situation. And that's part of the beauty of it, right? It's just Mm -hmm. committing to that process and saying, wow, both of us grow as mm-hmm. individuals as we're here. But I I love what you're saying. My yeah. my partnership, if you would have told me like three years ago that this is who I would be with, I would have thought you were crazy. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. totally yeah. unexpected. And it wasn't until I completely dropped like what I thought I had to have that I even allowed this person to come into my life. Right. And even if you maybe are a little bit more ahead in a certain aspect of your awareness or your healing where you have the language, you know, that somebody else doesn't have, that doesn't mean that there's any, you're more advanced either on that. And so I guess I just want to make sure that you're keeping your heart open because there's no more spiritual than somebody else. Like this isn't the hierarchy. Um, And 
people really will surprise you. It's really funny too, because my spouse told me that when they first, we knew each other like over, didn't, we met a couple of times over 10 years. And there was like the first time we didn't get together. Then five years later, we didn't get together. And then the third time was when we got together. And when we got together the third time, they kind of looked up what I was doing and saw I was like sort of spiritual. And, and they told me that they were like, mm, turn off. <laughs> and like, which is hilarious. Um, and, you know, so they're coming into the thing thinking, oh, I, you know, this person's going to be like this because they have these thoughts and these beliefs or they say these words. Um, and it's so, and I thought, oh, that person's not spiritual at all because they don't say those words. They're not talking about that. They don't do yoga, they blow or whatever. And I, when we actually got to know each other and spend time together, you realize that people's growth and awakening looks so can look so different and unique. And they're actually so spiritual in this other way that they probably wouldn't use that word. A hundred percent. I agree with everything that you're saying. And that really, I mean, relationships teach us at the end of the day. I mean, would it even make sense to date someone who's exactly like you? I just right. think that would even, right. there's, you know, we, it's an evolution when you're with someone who's, who's different than you and, and being willing to be open and be curious. One be of my favorite words, right. Be, be curious. We, we can't lose, we can't lose that in our partnerships. Yeah. And then also, you know, making sure, you know, you also are feeling that societal pressure that's still at play that's saying you need to find this one person and until you do you're not complete that's that's also still feeding into those fearful thoughts that you're dealing with and and so there's a lot of things kind of coming at you at once and how I really the way that I like to think about anything that I want that I haven't gone yet (laughs) that I desire and I feel like I do deserve that hasn't happened yet is just really have faith that as long as you are taking care of yourself, as long as you're prioritizing love and compassion for yourself and other people, trust me, you are being guided to the perfect, most beautiful flowering of your consciousness. And you really have to trust that the timing is exactly right when it happens. I love that so much. And I, you know, I think one of the things that helped me and you may talk to your listeners about this, but when I was in that place with, with wanting a partner and here I am a relationship coach and I had kind of neglected my own personal life and I didn't have a partnership and, um, the irony of I'm helping all these other people get into great relationships and I didn't have mine. And it really forced me to lean into my spiritual side Mm -hmm. and do that work. What I ended up doing was writing letters to my future partner that I hadn't met yet. And oh, it was wow. it was one of those things that really helped my brain go, it is available, it is coming, it's it's in divine timing, it's on its way to me. And I know some people would say that that was cheesy, but it helped me get into that place of trust and faith mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So don't, you know... Let yourself off the hook a little bit. 
Because also in the process of finding that person, you can still have fun and, you know, go on dates and keep your heart open to just enjoying like a person for who they are. Yes. People don't talk about this enough. Like enjoy your single season. It's a beautiful season. Yes, definitely. Enjoy it so much. And there are so many people in relationships who miss their singleness. It's normal to miss it and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many people who are in relationships that really shouldn't be. (laughs) Yes. Just because they were scared of embracing their singleness. It's like, you have to be Mm -hmm. able to really enjoy and be in the season that you're in. Otherwise, we'll spend our whole lives Mm -hmm. wishing that it was different than it was, right? Yes, And until you acknowledge, you know, that until you acknowledge that you are, you're, that you are being taken care of, that you are growing in divine timing, even if you're in a relationship, you would be feeling this pressure about something else. It's just manifesting in this issue right now. Then you find that. And then it's something else that you don't have that you should have by now. And it's, it's all because it's all coming from that same place where you're not um, connecting to the fact that you're whole right now. And from that place, you're being led. So I, I hope that people listening can really take this in. And cause that if you could take that in, that is so life-changing and, and being in that place of I am enough, I'm doing enough. There's mm-hmm. nothing that would make me more worthy that, you know, Ooh, I'll be happy when Mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. to drop that lie it does not serve us mm-hmm. and it's making a lot of su- assumption that it, it's going to bring you that mm-hmm. happiness mm-hmm. it might temporarily but there's when you're focused on the more there's it's there's always going to be a point when it wasn't yeah. it's not enough mm-hmm. I always say a relationship can't give you anything that you can't give yourself that's true oh that's so good and definitely true Okay, so hang in there. Yeah, yeah. What a what a wonderful question. And I know that we're we're both sending you all of our support. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I know that you will get through this time. Yes. So before we wrap up, there is a question that I ask all of the guests. And that is what is something that you are unlearning right now? working on unlearning right now? Ooh, this is such a good question. Um, I, I definitely feel like I'm working on unlearning that my worth is dependent on how successful and productive I am and really unlearning the timelines and the idea that Oh, I I should be married by now. I should have kids by now. I should own a home by now, right? And just really releasing those structures and lifestyles and ways of being that I felt like I had to follow. And I'm just embracing my own path and embracing my own happiness that, wow, I I am happy as I am and with the choices I've made. And yeah. Yes. Oh gosh. I totally relate to that one, especially the, the productivity and the working hard. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard to be like, it's so ironic too, when you are 
your your work is telling everybody to take care of themselves and yet you're like I yeah. need to do more <laughs> I, apparently I did like this year just to give you an idea like I, I think the universe really sent me this lesson this year because all in one year I decided to write a book host my first in-person retreat and build a house wow so I'm going through this these massive waves of having so much on my plate yeah. and just realizing, wow, I, I chose this. I did yes, this to myself. This, yes. And I connected my worthiness to it. I'm Wild. writing a book. I'm writing a book right now, too. I know. You know. It's like, I'm in the process. It's an undertaking. I have seven months left to finish. You will do it. I, we'll do it. We'll get it done and it will be yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's just absolutely. like a time capsule of where we are at that time. Like all the things that we do. It's like a little little snippet of time in our life. Exactly. Thank you for that question. I'm going to reflect on that more. Get it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Morgan, for coming on. I had such a wonderful time talking to you. And I know the audience got so, such helpful, helpful perspective for sure. And I did too. Thank you for having me. This was great. I love what you're doing. Keep on shining and spreading all your, your message and your love to everybody. I really love what you do. Thanks. Oh, oh before we go, do you want to tell our audience how they can be in touch with you? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I am on Instagram mostly, um, and it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching. And then the other way is through the podcast. And the podcast is called Let's Get Vulnerable. We do two episodes a week. Um, and it's really yeah. good. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari.